you need to get around a good group of people of like-minded entrepreneurs because what will happen in all cases is people will say to you why do you want to be an entrepreneur go get this job or go get there's so many jobs out there so many opportunities right now you can make your own salary but if that's not going to make you happy then that is not the path for you it's no secret that the coronavirus is affecting all of us as individuals but the effect it's having on business, especially small business, is unprecedented. We need a game plan, and fast. If we're going to survive this, we need resources and we need each other. We can't do it alone. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. With my background in economic and workforce development, disaster preparedness, and general business strategy, I know I can help you navigate this scary time in your business and beyond. It's all about resiliency. I'll have the most current solutions and best practices available so we can ensure your business not only survives this crisis, but thrives. We'll also be keeping you informed about the latest resources for small business so that you don't miss a thing. Co-hosting with me will be my colleague, Sid Varakura. We'll have invited experts to help us navigate through the current noisy landscape of resources and programs that are being made available today and who will be able to prepare us for tomorrow. Let's do this together. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. Hi, and welcome back to Hack My Business. This is Jesse Torres, creator and host of Hack My Business. It's great to be with all of you once again. Thrilled and excited to be joined today by a really good friend, Sinead Rourke, who is the president of Redwood Resources, which I know to be just a leading firm around procurement, diversity, equity, and inclusion, consulting, some of that I've worked with in the past on a few different projects here in Los Angeles County around economic and workforce development. Um, but we have Sinead on the show because she's going to be talking to us about all things women's business. Uh, Sinead is the incoming president of the National Association of Women Business Owners for California. And we definitely want to get her perspective on not just women's entrepreneurship, but small business at large and get her thoughts and insights because she is an expert in the field. So welcome, Sinead, to Hack My Business. Uh, thank you so much, Jesse, and I am honored to be on your show, Hack My Business. Thanks so much. Of course. So let's begin first with your path to entrepreneurship. I want to know the Sinead Rourke story. How did you end up in the fascinating world of entrepreneurship? Ah, yes. And even more exciting procurement, which people are always fascinated with. Sure. So the story started back when I was a little girl. And my first entrepreneurial experience was raising funds so that I could become Miss, I think it was Miss Santee mm. <laughs> in the small rural town that I lived in. It was farmland. And in order to win it, the only thing you had to do was collect money. Mm. It was an interesting kind of plot, right? So I went door to door to people's houses asking if I could be Miss Santee. And in exchange for that, I would get money for that. So that's my first one, my first experience of learning how to go out on my own and try to generate something for some cause. And from there, my entrepreneurial story moves quicker. And it was always around corporate America. Mm. And I had always had this interest in having my own business. So when I worked at a, a leading consulting firm, I was still also very interested in doing something on the side. So I sold baby shoes or I sold health and beauty products or I did resets at grocery stores. I always had something else that I'd like to do on the side in addition to my work. 
And I knew one day, and I remember sitting in my residence, and I just, I was number one in my career at this organization. I was getting ready to go on to, you know, that uh, annual conference that, you know, they highlight you Mm -hmm. and you go away to this great location somewhere. And I was so unhappy because there was another side of me that wasn't getting fully fulfilled. And that was owning my own destiny and being in charge of my own destiny. So I remember sitting in my residence very early in the morning, quiet time, and I came up with this statement, which was F-T-F-A-D-I-A. And I have it actually on my hat. Your readers can't see it, but I do have a hat that says F-T-F-A-D-I-A. And what it stands for is feel the fear and do it anyway. Because there's a fear, right? When you're in corporate America or when you're in a job and, you know, you're making a good living, you're traveling, you're doing all the great things you want to do. An entrepreneurial path is not always as straightforward as that or not as, um, well, you know, I think post-COVID things have changed too where it's more unknown. But an entrepreneurial path is very unknown. So I think I needed to write that for myself to make that leap. And so... There were things that happened from that situation where I started working in a kind of an entrepreneurial spirit as a consultant. And then I went into mortgage lending for a while, which was kind of interesting. I had children. I went to mortgage lending for a while. And then I got divorced. And I think that was the push for me that I needed to really go full bore into it. You know, I was an older woman. You don't get the same opportunities that you get when you're younger, realistically. And so I ended up starting my own business in 2010. And then in 2014, my best friend, I call her like my sister, my play mother, my auntie, everything, she passed away. And when she passed away, I ended up purchasing the name of her business, Redwood Resources, and morphed it with mine so that her legacy could always continue. And that brings us to to today with some, you know, ebbs and flows, some highs and lows and all that. And here I am, a full-blown serial entrepreneur, and I cannot imagine it any other wow. way. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I never knew, you know, many pieces of that story. But, yeah, I really appreciate it. I, I have to say I love that your first foray into entrepreneurship involved uh, a capital raise, you know, <laughs> a door-to-door <laughs> capital raise, which is, you know, the biggest challenge that any entrepreneur faces. But, you know, we've had a number of different guests on the show, uh, entrepreneurs and those who support entrepreneurs. And in speaking with the entrepreneurs, there is often that that comment around, you know, not letting the fear get in their way and often using difficult moments in their life to push them even further into the world they wanted to aspire to and towards independence. So I, I love that you shared that that story with us. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm curious about you know, I remember years ago I was uh, in the basement of UCLA, and I was <laughs> my job was to write abstracts on uh, articles of entrepreneurship. That's how I first got involved, or even aware of entrepreneurship. I was working for essentially the Coffin Foundation, writing up abstracts of articles. And back then, there was this big debate around what is the what is an entrepreneur, right? The definition of entrepreneur. And I'm I'm just curious, what is your definition of entrepreneur? What does it mean to be an entrepreneur? 
Mm, that's a very good question. And I'm sure you have some stories to tell about those abstract times, too. <laughs> Interesting. Um, to me, an entrepreneur, again, is someone who feels the fear and does it anyway. But an entrepreneur is really someone who is really about creating solutions. Mm. Of, of the entrepreneurs I know, and, and we might talk about a little bit more, we talked about the fact that I'm incoming president, effective July 1, for NABO, California. And that's the National Association of Women Business Owners, California. And we have 11 chapters in the state. But when I listen to or talk to entrepreneurs across the state or even across the nation, we all have a need and desire to help. And we have a need and desire to create solutions. And so I would say that my definition is about entrepreneurs love to create solutions. Yeah, I love that. You know, I can tell you a story from my time back then in the basement of Moore Hall, UCLA, writing abstracts in the darkness, that the debate was, you know, should an entrepreneur only be labeled as someone who is essentially fast growth? You know, that an entrepreneur was not the um, flower shop owner, that was not the you know you know barbershop guy which like my dad was and I always struggle with that definition i think i think that's changed because i think what we also saw during the pandemic was a lot of people had to become solution creators right mm-hmm. and even if they didn't think of themselves as an entrepreneur they may have thought like i'm just a restaurant owner you know they all had to adopt a mindset of creativity and solution driven focus some didn't survive those who could make that switch, I think are the ones that we're seeing now. And I, and I, and I appreciate your, your definition because I think that's definitely spot on. And, and I want to dig into all these little pieces of entrepreneurship because I know you're going to be thinking about that, you know, what essentially is driving, you know, the, the, the women you'll be supporting through NABO California. But maybe we can first talk about what is NABO? You know, what, what tell us about the organization and about the role that NABO plays around uh, women business development. So NABO started in the 70s, I believe mid-70s, because women at the time were not allowed, if they owned a business, were not allowed to make their own business decisions, which meant they could not write or sign their own business checks. They could not get a business loan in their name. They had to ask their husband or their father or their even their son to do that for them because women were not considered equal in the eyes of the law. And, you know, even more forward, you know, women of color were still not considered equal. But at the time, a group of women got together in D.C. and said, you know what, we need to control our own destiny. And I want to go back to your question about entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur. It's really someone who has a mindset. And I talk a lot about mindset in my career. But entrepreneur is someone who has the mindset that they will control their own destiny or they are the master of their ship. And I think that's a very important piece. So these women got together and said they're going to control their own destiny. And they advocated for law so that women business owners could make their own decisions. And that's where 50 came into place about women business owners or women business centers and the development of that. And then in 1979, I believe, California had NABO Los Angeles, which was one of the first chapters here in the state. And that's how NABO got started. But our role and goal is really to propel women business owners forward. And our focus is on advocating for women business owners, whether they are members of our organization or not. Throughout the nation, we state there are over 11 
million women business owners that NABO National represents. And here in the state, we have 1.4 million that NABO California represents. And we advocate on behalf of all women business owners, whether they are that solo entrepreneur or that side hustle up into the multi-million or billion dollar woman-owned business. You know, I, I don't think many people really kind of fully grasp just how uh, the surge, you know, the incredible rise of women entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, I, I saw, you know, Nabo actually put out a stat that, you know, in 1972, there were only 402,000 women-owned businesses in the entire U.S. compared to today where we have over 12 million, you know, nationally. And I guarantee that NABO and other supporting organizations had a lot to do with that work. You know, I'm curious, you know, what do you think was driving that? You know, how did that explosion occur? Uh, you know, where did it, where do you think it, it began and, and what really kind of pushed it forward? Sure. NABO was one of those originating or, and we were the ones who did create opportunities for more women business owners. And I, I believe that by having a door opened for you as a woman business owner, more women could come in through that door. And I think that started, I think, you know, going back to the business development or development centers, you know, it was a resource that women could go to where it was a safe environment for them to discuss the issues that they were having in their particular businesses. And, you know, even now with, with the recent pandemic of COVID, we've seen an even more significant increase in women business owners. I think in the last two years, we've seen over, it used to be 1.1, now it's 1.4 million within the state. And I think a lot of that has to do with one, feeling that fear, Mm -hmm. right? And doing it anyway. But I think the pandemic really pushed some women to where I was, you know, when I came up with that field of fear and do it anyway. They may have had a wonderful career, but it wasn't giving them joy or happiness. And they weren't in charge of their own destiny. And I think COVID really gave a different perspective for a lot of people. And we see now that women are one of the growing are the fastest growing entrepreneurs. And I think part of that also has to do with the fact that, you know, women were challenged during COVID. Some of those who worked in some places or corporate environments, which, which didn't allow a more flexible schedule. And now, you know, they're, they're having to care for maybe their children at home and maybe elderly parents. And they had those factors now that they had to consider, whereas before they might have had support to be able to do that. <laughs> We take it for granted, you know, the things that we have or the realities that we have. You know, I, th- I think a lot of folks, you know, forget all the hard work that went into, um, you know, creating a system by which women could start businesses. I mean, the, the, it's so shocking to know that as early as, you know, uh, recently as the 70s, you know, women weren't yeah. allowed to sign for their own business loans. I think I even saw that they couldn't even uh, get their own credit card, you know, and that wasn't too long yeah. ago that this this kind of stuff was happening. And I got to tell you, I started my business really because, and I even had her on my show, because my wife, you know, she went into entrepreneurship, you know, a few years ago. And, um, you know, I was working working for the state at that time. Um, but seeing her her struggles and also her successes really motivated me. I mean, I had been supporting entrepreneurs, you know, for the majority of my career, but you know, seeing her really made me want to go into it myself and take on that risk. And, you know, because I thought, okay, that's the kind of life I wanted. You know, I wanted to have something that I could control my own destiny, kind of to your point. But, 
you know, if she if she hadn't been able to have her own business, I never would have been inspired, you know, by it, right? So just, you know, this is really so amazing to think about all those all those different connections that are really tied to work that people did 20, 30 years ago, you know, 40 years ago to make it all possible. You know, you, you mentioned pandemic and that incredible rise, you know, and I know you're stepping into this leadership role for this, you know, really important statewide organization. So where do you begin? I mean, of all the issues right now that are impacting business owners and particular women business owners, what are you looking at? What are you seeing that is really kind of keeping you awake right now? You know, what do you think are those key issues right now for women business owners? Sure. Um, a great question, Jesse. So one of the things through the pandemic is this case of not just for women business owners, but in general around mental health mm. and self-care. So I think as as women, and in, in, I'll say in general, we are seen as people who take care of our businesses, but we also have to take care of our households. The responsibility oftentimes will lean towards the woman. And, and the COVID situation really made it even more pressure for a lot of women, you know, to do more and be more. And I think as we, we're coming on this side, I don't know if it's over, but as we're coming on this side of it, that issue around mental health and self-care has not been addressed to the level that it needs to be addressed. And I think as entrepreneurs, we always, again, I talked about the fact that we want to create solutions. Well, we're creating solutions and we want to help, but we want to help others. We want to create solutions for others. We never think about, hey, how am I feeling? You know, checking in with myself. I'm working 12, 15 hours, I'm working Saturdays and Sundays. This can't, something about that is not right. We don't look at that because what we look at as entrepreneurs, right, we want the solution, we want the outcome, and that's what we focus on. So I think one of the areas is around mental health and self-care because it's an area we always address, and I think it's something that we need to look at more and talk about more. We just had our annual conference, Propel, which is our advocacy conference in Sacramento. We do it once a year. And one of the issues that came up was around mental health and how we're addressing it. And I've had another conversation with another organization about mental health. So I think it's going to be one of the drivers for for the year. Like, how are we taking care of self-care for ourselves as entrepreneurs? And then um, an area that I'm passionate about, you know, my business is um, we do SBEDB consulting. And we're in the procurement space and procurement consulting. And so one of the things that I really want to elevate more women business owners in is opportunities in procurement. Our company works with a focus in transportation infrastructure, and we've seen a lot of, we're hearing a lot from the Biden administration about these billions that are being passed down for repairs of roads, freeways, railways, all of these things. So there's that, and then we're seeing an influx of, of money our own state has a multi-billion dollar surplus, right? Some of that money is going to get funneled into business opportunities for women business owners. So I want to see more women business owners do the FTFADIA, feel that fear mm-hmm. and do it anyway and, you know, move forward in government tr- contracting. And, you know, Jesse, it's, you know, when you were at GoBiz and then with the state of California, it was really, I think, harder to get women to embrace that process of engaging with government contracting. They have this fear or stigma around it. And then when I look in our local city where we have contracting utilization for women, you know, maybe one or two percent, it's really low. Or we look at other areas where utilization for women is low too. Part of that is maybe 
Um, maybe some biases around, maybe it's readiness, maybe there are other things, but it's also about getting a larger pipeline of women business owners capable and ready ready with capacity to create and engage in some of these opportunities. Yeah, I love that those are your two focus areas. On the mental health piece, I think that's so important. You know, we, you know, as you know, I do a lot of disaster preparedness work and trauma. We often mention trauma and the understanding of it and how, you know, your mental health needs to be really important and thought about as it relates to preparedness and resiliency. And I, I always remember, you know, uh, I have a, a friend of mine who, started a company that he later sold to Intuit. And I remember, you know, this is earlier 2000s, mid to middle 2000s, and thinking, oh, wow, that guy has it all figured out. That guy has really done it. The, the dream of, you know, starting a company from scratch, selling it off for millions. Wow, he's really done it. And then he came out with an article in Forbes talking about how destructive it was to his own mental health. He didn't put on weight and, you know, didn't see his family. And it was a really, I remember it was a pretty kind of bold article really kind of took everybody by surprise, but it was so important because I was like, oh, wow, I didn't understand that piece that there's that everybody always sees the sexy part of entrepreneurship, right? And not so much about the, the trauma that can, or, you know, the, the anguish that comes along with it, right? And so eloquently kind of put together that article. So I think that's really important. I'm really glad you're focusing in on that. And definitely procurement. I mean, it's so, you and I both know, we've both worked in that space for a while. You know, there's uh, 4 million small business owners in the state of California, the most of any any other state by over a million. Uh, And there's only tens of thousands, low tens of thousands, actually certified to do the work, even far fewer actually doing work for the state or even, you know, giant entities like LA County, that is a big, that is a big challenge to overcome. And part of it is paperwork. Part of it is fear. Like you said, you know, it's just such a daunting process for many and and people sure don't make it easy uh, for people to come become contractors. So I'm really glad that's, that's going to be one of your focus areas as well. I was curious about, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, your personal story around, raising capital, you know, and I know that's always been, you know, in the work that I've done, the number one issue for small business owners. And, you know, uh, I saw this really interesting stat come out from American Express of a study they did in 2018 that, you know, only 25% of women are likely to seek financing for their business compared to 34% of male entrepreneurs and that more women use credit cards than, than say, an equity kind of investor. Will that be a priority for you, or do you know how how will you be addressing that access to capital issue, which I know is one of the great common issues of entrepreneurs? That's a great question, Jesse. You know, around access to capital, we know even in venture capital and and funding that women are receiving like two percent, very low uh, number for for women, and we're addressing that through. Part of my platform, which will come out probably in, will come out in July, but it's around bias. Hmm. And I think there's a big issue around bias that needs to be addressed, but not as a standalone or um, siloed problem that this country faces, but as a holistic, integrated part of a solution. So we're going to address it from that standpoint. That'll be part of my platform and looking at the biases that we have. And, you know, we have... A lot of new opportunities, I think, that have come up, you know, through COVID, but also come up from different entities wanting to do more for women, for minority-owned businesses as well. And I think LISC has a, a good program. 
I believe the inclusion project, I think that you're a part of as well, is doing some things on funding too and grants. So there are all these different opportunities. So my hope is really that we continue in a collaborative effort with these resources and helping to advocate for more access to capital for women business owners and then align with our partners like uh, LISC, like the Inclusion Project and others who are creating these kind of op- like CDFIs and, and, and many of the banks too who also have sometimes a, a different lending platform. Some of them push some of those fundings through the CDFIs. So that is the goal to continue with those resources and, and letting all our women know about those. That's great. Are there any, you know, since you're you're on the topic, right, I don't want to steal your entire thunder, but any other sneak preview you can provide about your platform and your priorities as president? Well, it's called, I can tell you, it is called, and it may change, sure. so I can tell you. It's called WE. That is the platform. It is WE. And it's about the holistic leader, the holistic person, and the holistic entity where we'll address issues like mental health, self-care, bias, and other discrimination, oppression, suppression, all that will be couched within that holistic leadership. And then it's about empowering and elevating our leaders. And so the platform will sit on we, which is kind of how I'm branding it as we, and we'll address a lot of different things. We'll continue to collaborate with our wonderful partners and make a lot of impact for our women business owners within the state. I think it's all very exciting. I love that you're tackling root cause, root cause issues, right? None of this symptom stuff. It's all about how do we get down to the bare bones of the issue? What's really driving these these forces here? So I love it. You know, I love it. It's great. How do I convince my wife and her friends to join NABO? How do I how do I convince this generation, this Gen X millennial generation that associations still have value? How do I do that? Yeah, you know, that has been a good question and one that we also at California, at National, I think they probably also have that issue. And even at our local chapters, you know, we have some chapters have what they call the next gen of trying to bring in that group of of women uh, business owners. One of the things I think we're seeing where other entities have sprouted up that really bring together, it's about a community and it's making sure they identify with the organization as a community that they're part of. So we'll be looking at some of that and how we can make sure that they get to be a part of it. I think part of it is in messaging too, because they see NABO and, you know, NABO has been around for a long, well, not a long time in the scheme of all things. But, you know, when you look at an organization that's had its roots since the 1970s, people think, you know, it's time for something new, you know, like even Facebook changes name. (laughs) So I think, you know, people like that kind of refresh of a name change and those kinds of things. But I think what's great about NABO is we stand on advocacy and support for all women business owners. And so I think creating more opportunities for them to participate and, and messaging out about this is about advocating for your rights as a woman business owner. And that's what we're doing for you to support you. And I think if we do more around our messaging about the advocacy that we do, they'll see where the organization plays in. I think a lot of times people see us as pro, because we do offer programs. Some of our chapters have, or or do have chapter uh, programmatic elements on a monthly basis. Um, They have events. And so I think sometimes people see us as that kind of, you know, they mix us in with that group of, of business entity, but that's not really the core of what we are. The core, 
We are there to support and advocate for all women business owners. And so when we look at that, when you need a voice, this is the voice that is your voice. And so we need their voices to collectively make a bigger voice, make a bigger impact. You know, NABO, California, sponsored SB 826, which was the law, became the law. Now it's, you know, being contested or struck down to get more women on corporate boards through that and through Novo California, I, along with Maria Salinas, created the Corporate Board Pathways Program to get more women, and particularly women of color, onto corporate boards. That program is still going in its third year, its third cohort. We'll continue to do that program, and we'll continue, whether there's a law or not a law, we will continue to fight for women to be on corporate boards because it's a good business decision. It's a sound business decision with stats and ROI to back it up. So we're there to advocate on behalf of you, Miss Side Hustle Woman Business Owner or multi-million dollar firm. We are there to make sure that your voice is heard within the state. I think I think that work is so important. And I think we we have forgotten also that Organizations like NABO really began as civil rights organizations. In fact, for many entrepreneurship organizations, if you go back into the history, they really started as these really pivotal civil rights movements that, you know, became over time translated as more entrepreneurship, small business, but that that work continues. The fight definitely is not over. And I, and I will definitely be, you know, pushing for my wife and her friends who are very successful entrepreneurs to to join in and, and lend a hand to the effort because I think it's so important and it ties to other facets of life, not just about the small business growth, but about other things that, you know, really help create the, the strong ecosystem we need around women business ownership. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited, you know, to have you there at the home. I know you're going to have some great team members with you and to see what role I can help play in your success. You know, you've given me a lot of great advice through my entrepreneurship journey. And I was just curious, you know, for... For the person, the woman who is starting her her entrepreneurial pursuit for the first time, maybe lost her job during pandemic, maybe maybe just choosing that now is the right time to get started, how would you advise her? What would you say to her? I would say first that what happens is because of you and what doesn't happen is because of you. And as I mentioned, I started my business in 2010, but I really would not really consider myself successful until about three years ago now, actually. And it was a mindset shift when I held myself accountable for what happened. And Tony Robbins talks about how life is happening for us, not to us. And we are responsible. We are the master of our ship. And when we take on that accountability, there's no one out there to save us. You know, we can't blame it on this or blame it on that or the economy is going this way, COVID. You know, when we stop the blame and we look at ourselves in the mirror, what happens is because of us. And when we look at it and take ownership that way, it really shifts a mind that I think are just phenomenal for me. And, and really, I talk a lot about mindset shift because that really is how abundance has come to me in prosperity. I would say to someone who is new to entrepreneurship is to get around like-minded people. And the thing about being an entrepreneur is that if you are not an entrepreneur, you're not going to understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur. You can hear it 
you can hear about the struggles and sometimes your friends are not going to want to hear about your struggles or your frustrations, you know, with your staff or with your contractor. They're not going to want to know it. It's a, it's a different life. And, and I'm not saying to remove those friends, but you need to get around a good group of people of like-minded entrepreneurs. Because what will happen in all cases, typically, is people will say to you, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Go get this job or go get, there's so many jobs out there, so many opportunities right now. You can make your own salary. But if that's not going to make you happy, then that is not the path for you. So you want to make sure to be around people. So when you have a dark day and you're like, I'm just going to go back into, you know, working for XYZ Corporation, but you have a good group of like-minded entrepreneurs who can work with you through that path or, you know, there are ebbs and flows in entrepreneurship. It is not a steady road. You know, I have friends who work in places, they they have complaints also. But I think an entrepreneur journey is going to have ups and downs. So make sure that you have people who will feed positivity into you along the road. And even without friends there or entrepreneurs there, feed positivity into yourself. And I recall this thing many years ago about I think it was a graph of a window, right? And what you put into the window, like, you know, oh, you're not great at this. You're not good at this. You're to this. That's what fills that house up is all this negative stuff. And you have to reframe the way you speak to yourself on a second by second basis. When you start saying those negative things, you have to reframe it immediately. You cannot let that come into your mind. You are focused on a path and a trajectory as an entrepreneur. So you need to infuse yourself, not with rose-colored glasses, but with the right mindset so that you can go forward on your entrepreneurial path. And so joining organizations like NABO and others is really a path to help support you. Absolutely. hundred percent. I am so lucky to be surrounded by amazing entrepreneurs like yourself and Barcy, my producer, my wife, Jennifer. Um, and I think for those who maybe don't have access to their own community, they can build one through NABO. And I think that that is a important network to have, especially when you're first starting out, someone that can understands the miseries and the the highs of entrepreneurship with you. Um, Shanae, how can people learn more about you, you know, keep up to date with your work in Nabo, California? Sure. So Nabo-California.org to find out more about that. And I think on there, if you're interested in a corporate board, the Pathways program is on there. You can find more information there. I do have a, a webpage, Shanae.com. S-C-H-E-N-A-E dot com, which is in its final stages. So you can definitely reach out to me there. And regarding you, yes, we do have Nobros as well. <laughs> so do not think it's only for entrepreneur, women business owners. We have entrepreneurs who support, uh, women business owners. And you definitely, Jesse, will be a Nobro for, for Nobro. I want to be a Nobro. Thank you. I want to be part of that inaugural <laughs> class of Nobros. Yes. Yes. Uh, Shanae, you're the best. Thank you so much for coming on to Hack My Business. It's always great to talk with you, and I know I'll be seeing you very soon. Absolutely. It's a great podcast. I look forward to hearing more. If you need help and want to be a part of our community and find resources to grow your business, join us at our website at smallbusinessfront.com. We'd love to see you there. Have a great day, and we'll catch you next time on Hack My Business.